Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Well, just like that, we got summer real quick here in Central Texas. Real legit hot summer and I kind of love it I'm I, I enjoy it now I mean for now until it gets a little bit longer in the summer but anyway hi plant friends thank you for joining me again this week we are smack dab exactly in the middle of May it's May 15th and I love this time of year. It's my birth month. The days are longer. The evenings are warm. And right now, my garden is just so green and beautiful. And I absolutely love it. My garden um, actually is still kind of recovering from winter storm Yuri. Last year, um, I lost quite a few flowering perennials. Um, they didn't come back. And my figs, the loquat tree, the two pomegranates, they are, they're still alive. They're trying their best to come back after that brutal freeze that we had last February. They're still alive, but they don't look great. But I was really happy because I noticed some of my little bitty figs on my Celeste fig tree this week. And I'm really glad about that because I love figs. Another tree that took a hit during the freeze last year was my mimosa tree. It lost um, a main branch. It kind of just snapped off. And it's got a weird shape right now. And the new growth seems to focus all on one branch. And this branch is like super long and it arcs way over like a rainbow and it goes through a neighboring tree and it pops out on the other side. It's crazy looking, but I'm not going to prune it. I, I love it because at the end of the branch, it's right at my face level And now that it's blooming, I can walk just right up to it and just put my face all up in those blossoms. And oh my God, the fragrance is amazing. The mosa tree is covered in those wonderful pink fuzzy flowers and it has delicate fern-like leaves. And pretty soon I know it's going to be putting on just a magnificent show and blooming like crazy. Now we've got lots and lots of green every everywhere in the yard right now, but not a lot of flowers. So this tree is pre- pretty special to me and I just adore this tree. It smells totally amazing. And every morning when I'm out in the garden and I'm doing my morning chores, like checking on my rabbits and the chickens, 
I get a whiff of that gorgeous mimosa blossom scent and I just automatically am like, oh, wow. Um, and then like, I have to like turn my head and look for, um, the mimosa tree. And I don't know, the scent is just so amazing. It's a comforting scent to me. It reminds me of being a little kid at my grandma's house and just being carefree. And once I get a whiff of mimosa, I am just suddenly young and carefree again. And even if it's just for a little bit, it's a really powerful and happy scent for me. And I can't say enough. I love mimosa. And then the evenings after I get off work and once the day has had a chance to warm up, the mimosa fragrance, it seems to like amplify and it just hangs in the air and it's absolutely intoxicating to me. I'm actually considering moving a, uh, one of my lawn chairs and moving it out there right under that small section of low hanging branches, just full on 100% total mimosa immersion. Just get right out under the leaves, out in those pink fluffy flowers and enjoying just being completely enveloped in a tent of that delicious mimosa fragrance. Now, I'm going to say this. I have always been extremely adamant that I do not want to be buried. I want to be cremated, scatter my ashes. That's what I want. But you know what? I can make an exception if someone could guarantee that I could be buried under that mimosa tree. I don't even know if you can be buried in your backyard anymore. I mean, at least not legally. I don't know, but I don't know. I can't really imagine my family being on board with that. Um, and I'm pretty sure that having a grave on your property nowadays probably like devalues it or something. Maybe people won't want to buy your house if you're trying to sell it, if you have a grave in your backyard. But anyway, I am not the only one that's super fond of this tree. It's also incredibly popular with all kinds of pollinators. My mimosa tree attracts so many different kinds of bees, honeybees, butterflies, moths, hummingbirds, drawing pollinators to the garden is a important goal for me since we have a vegetable garden and I need the pollinators to help the flowers develop into food. So whatever it takes to get pollinators to my yard, I'm on board. So let's grow it. So on the last episode that I did, I told you all that I took it upon myself to bring some kind of orphaned leftover tomato seedlings that I wasn't going to plant here at my house because I have all the tomatoes that I want. And I took them to work and I planted them in the flower beds out front. Now I didn't really have explicit permission, but it was kind of like a gray area. I mean, definitely, I mean, we talked about it. It was definitely not a solid yes. 
and it wasn't even, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, you need to get back to work, do what you want. No, it wasn't even that, but um, they got planted, and I worked with the facilities manager. He's new, and he just happened to be working with the landscape company, and they made sure the irrigation system was set up and running for me. And now it's been about two weeks and I'm super happy to report that all of those little seedlings that I put in, all of them except for one, they are alive and they're looking good. They were really long and leggy. So I had to bury them kind of deep. I buried the stems right up to the top set of leaves. Tomatoes have that fine whitish fuzz all along the stems. Those fibers have the ability to turn into roots. So when you bury the stems deeply like that, all those fuzzy little fibers go into root development mode and they become the foundation for a nice, healthy, strong root system. So it might take a little bit before the upper parts of those tomatoes to start putting on some growth, but with some luck, we are going to have some cherry tomatoes at work this summer and probably into the fall if everything goes right. I, I did notice that one of the plants um, had some leaves removed. I don't think they fell off. I think that... One of my coworkers is helping take care of them. And I just love that. I know that there are other plant people at work. We've chatted about gardens and plants, so maybe it's one of my uh, plant friends. Also, um, this past week, I happened to leave work at the exact same time as my boss. And as we were walking past those beds out front, out to the uh, parking lot, he said, yeah, hey, I saw uh, your tomatoes. I didn't think you were actually going to do that. And I think I made like a busted, your busted face. And then I smiled and I just waited and he said, you know, it's kind of cool, kind of like a community garden or, or something. And I'm pretty sure that my face lit up because I thought, oh, yes. And you know what that means. That's right. I'm going to be planting some more stuff out there. And, you know, I'm going to be totally cool about it. It'll be real subtle. Nothing too crazy. I've got some crazy projects I want to talk about later. Um, Nothing like that. Just a few other things to tuck into the bare spots and make it look real nice. And I know exactly what I have in mind too because I have them rooting in my kitchen sink right now. Um, Sweet potato slips. Sweet potatoes have a really nice vine and they, they make a lovely lush ground cover. Uh, I don't even care if they make any actual full-size sweet potatoes. I just want to have some nice dark green foliage in those beds. I mean, right now there is just so many bare patches 
Um, and wouldn't you rather have green, nice green plants instead of boring brown patches of mulch? I do, and that's why I'm doing this. So if you are interested in learning how to start some sweet potato slips, check out episode 61 from April 9th. Um, That show, I tell you how to grow them from a grocery store sweet potato. And if you get started in the next few days, you will have plenty of time to start them, root them, and then plant the slips before the planting window closes at the end of June. And I think I'm also going to plant some okra at work because it's also a heat-loving vegetable. And, you know, it actually has a pretty nice flower. It has a nice creamy, pale yellow flower that has a burgundy eye right in the center. I think they're really pretty. I'm probably going to have to be a little more strategic about about where I plant the okra, but I'm going to do it. It's got to look a little more intentional, so I'll have to really scope out where I want to, where I want to plant that. Um, but you know, I was going to be planting, um, some more okra anyway. So I went ahead and planted a whole flat of okra. So, you know, I had extra tomato plants. I'm going to have some extra okra. Just take your okra plant to work day. My boss is going to um, come back from his vacation and hopefully he'll notice how nice things look out front. I don't know. We'll see. I have been kind of busy lately in my backyard with some new projects, just mm, kind of boring ones, like just refreshing older beds with fresh compost and kind of moving pots and planters around. But I've also set up some new beds and I'm doing a couple things that I always wanted to do, putting up an oversized arch and then also making a bean teepee. So for the arch, um, I, I have this one cattle panel archway that is in my garden. Um, it's in my raised beds. It connects two beds together. I like to grow cucumbers on it. I think it's pretty cute and it's a nice way to train my cucumbers. It is on the short side. Um, can't walk up under it. It's more kid size. It's perfect for kids but I like it a lot. And I decided that I wanted to have another one, but I haven't gotten around to it until this year. And this time I decided I wanted a much bigger one and I wanted it closer to the house so I can enjoy seeing it from my desk. Instead of cucumbers though, I wanted a flowering vine and not just any vine. I wanted a wonderful and unusual flower vine to climb up my giant arch. 
several weeks ago, I did a show about moon gardening, gardening by the phases of the moon. And I kind of got off on talking about moon plants. Anyway, um, one of them was giant moonflowers, which was one of my impulse purchase, um, purchases this year. I was flipping through a seed catalog and these giant moonflowers just totally caught my attention. I was reading the description and it said that, um, these supersized flowers get up to seven inches across, which is like the size of a dinner plate. And I was like, okay, I've got to have these. So I bought them and now I have them. Giant moonflowers are related to morning glories. They're basically siblings, except one, of course, a moon, um, blooms early in the day. Morning glories open up way early in the day and moonflowers don't unfurl until dusk and then they don't fully open until after it's dark. Supposedly moonflowers can, the vines can grow up to 20 feet long and they have heart-shaped leaves and are really fast growing. So I'm excited about these. Moonflowers are really fragrant and they attract pretty much all of the nighttime pollinators, um, beetles, moths, and my favorite, bats. Not too long ago, I was uh, talking to a friend and I told him what I was doing, you know, that I moved this extra large planter across the yard and attached a 16 foot cattle panel to it and then arched it up and attached it to the fascia on the patio roof. And I started talking about what I was going to plant and I told him that told him all about my plan for attracting bats with my giant moonflowers. And he actually laughed at me really loud and said, bats, like I was like some crazy woman. And I'm like, yeah, that's my plan. It's my dream. I mean, attracting bats to my patio, to my backyard. I think that'd be awesome. I think it's a really wonderful idea and I hope it works. But if it doesn't, no bats come around at least I will still get to enjoy these crazy giant moonflowers. You are listening to Plant Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you're enjoying my show, I hope you will go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music all coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plan Host Facebook page or the Instagram and like and share it with your gardening friends or head over to where you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plan Host podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and leave a review. It's really, it's really, really quick. Just click on the stars leave a sentence or two about what you like about the show. It's going to help others find the show and it lets people know that Plown Hose is a good show. If you've already left a review, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I really appreciate 
Okay, so my other new project this spring has been setting up a bean teepee, which is just a upside down cone shaped trellis for growing climbing beans. And I have always, oh, I've wanted to do a bean teepee for years and years, and I just never have. It's been one of those projects that I would forget about until I saw a picture of one like in a magazine or maybe somewhere. And that's how it always goes for me. I will see something and it really inspires me and I want to do it, but it's always too late to do it that year because like the usually the planting window has closed or I just flat out forget. I mean, that happens. I got four kids. I'm old. I forget stuff. But not this year. Because I am just so proud of myself. Because earlier this year, I found these special rings made just for assembling bean teepees. These rings are um, minor dark green plastic discs. Mm-hmm. They're about the size of like a saucer. They look a bit like a like a butter tub or like a large yogurt container lid. There's a, um, a hole in the center. And then in this disc, there are like six star-shaped openings. So to make the teepee, you just got to thread six bamboo poles through those star-shaped holes. And... Then set it upright. You stabilize the poles and it's done. Super easy and then you're ready to plant. So I got these rings and I was all ready to go. Um, I still needed to get some bamboo poles, which is you know not, not a big deal. My neighbor down the street has um, quite a bit of bamboo growing on his property. He has been battling this bamboo stand for years and he can't get rid of it, can't control it. So I felt pretty confident that he would not mind at all if I asked to cut down some of his bamboo for my project. And I sent him a text and he responded right away. He's like, yeah, no problem. Go help yourself. Take as much as you want. You can have it. There are lots of different varieties of bamboo, but they will be one of two types. They will either be clumping or running. Even though they put out branches and leaves, kind of like a tree, bamboo is actually a grass, a very tall, very big, and very fast-growing grass, which makes it pretty popular with People wanting like a natural screen or a natural fence or like a barrier between, um, you know, for privacy. Bamboo spreads by rhizomes. Rhizomes are stems that grow just beneath the soil surface. Rhizomes grow and send out buds that pop up through the soil near the mother plant. Clumping bamboo grows in tight clusters and the rhizomes grow vertically and upward. The new shoots clump together in a dense mound. Now, running bamboo is totally different. 
The rhizome grows horizontally away from the mother plant. Running bamboo spreads so fast and it totally takes over. It grows thickly, it's dense, and it grows in every direction. If there is space and room to spread, it does. And so many varieties are really quite aggressive and they completely take over. There's no stopping them. I have seen where bamboo has grown up under and around concrete. My neighbor has a giant stand of bamboo. It's the running bamboo type. And even though it completely screens out and blocks the view of his next door neighbors, it has spread all over the place and everybody hates it. That bamboo is old, old. It's old. I have lived here in Taylor for 16 years now and it has always been there. And I really would not be surprised if it is more than 30 years old because there is a lot of it out there. So I grabbed a set of loppers and I walked down the street to his house and just started cutting my bamboo. What I didn't really think about was how tall his bamboo was. Now, I'm not a tall person. I'm 5'5", so I was like, yeah, that's tall. Okay. Really, this bamboo is way taller than me, but I was just excited about my bean teepee project, and I just started cutting down some canes. I cut down about 15, 16 canes. I really only needed six, but I figured since I was already there, I'd just go ahead and cut a few more and have them for other projects. Now, I am pretty terrible about estimating sizes, but I'm guessing that these canes were like 30 feet long and I was dragging that bamboo back to my house, walking up the street and I had to make two trips. And I just know that if my children saw me, they would have been so embarrassed, especially my youngest daughter. She would have been just mortified and she probably would have dropped dead right there if she saw me dragging this long ass bamboo up the street. But anyway, I made it back home and I started snipping off the branches. So all that I was left with was these nice long bamboo poles. Then I got my green plastic teepee rings out and that's when I realized that the holes in the ring were quite small compared to the width of my canes. At the base where I cut cut them, some of them were like nearly inch and a half, two inches around. Um, the tops are much thinner. Um, I definitely could thread them through, but those star-shaped holes were really only spread to about the size of a nickel. 
the ring held the skinny tops and I kind of worked it down um, as far as I could could get them all to go. Um, and the poles, you know, they, they fit quite snugly. But my plan had been to thread them through the holes and then trim them. And I figured out that wasn't really going to work so well. So I decided, well, let me just set it up and see what it looks like. And then I'll figure it out. And oh my God, all connected at the top like that. And as long as they, they are, it, it was just completely unwieldy. And I wasn't able to manage to set it up by myself. So I had to go get some help. And my 14 year old daughter came out and was like, mom, what are you doing? So I told her I'm making a bean teepee and I could use your help getting it all stood up. And she just looked at me and she said it again, what are you trying to do? So I told her again and she just rolled her eyes and was like, oh my God, why? And I was like, I don't know, why not? So, you know, I was a little bit snippy about her uh, questioning um, this whole project, but you know, it was hot and I was anxious to, um, get this TP set up and I was a little disappointed. She wasn't as enthusiastic, um, as I was, but we worked together. We got it set up and let me tell you that sucker is giant. It is super tall and super skinny and it looks like this spire or steeple out in my garden. It is huge. It is ridiculous. And I think that you might be able to see it from space. I don't know, but I love it. I love it so much. I, um, I did have to support it with some small T-posts and I just zip tied the canes to the post. So, um, it's not going to tip over or fall on anyone. It is definitely strong and sturdy and I ha I found these fantastic brown and white speckled lima beans and I planted those at the base. These guys are called Christmas lima beans because um, I guess because they're burgundy and white, which is sort of Christmassy. The pods are going to be huge. Um, they're supposed to be like six inches long and there are just these big old beans inside. I think they're cool. They, uh, Christmas lima beans are originally from Peru and there's, these are supposed to be extremely heat tolerant, which is great because growing up my 30 foot tall tower, they're going to be so much closer to the sun than any of my other vegetables I'm growing. So I think they're going to look really cool and I'm so excited about them. The Christmas lima beans were another impulse purchase of mine, but I think I did really good with this one. And I think my lima bean tower is going to look magnificent once those plants start climbing up it. I have no idea how I'm actually going to pick these when they start coming on. I'm going to worry about that later. I figured my husband is tall. He's 6'3". He can pick them. 
If not, I guess I'll buy a ladder. I don't know. But I love my bean tower so much that I wanted another one. So the next day, I got my 17-year-old daughter um, to help me set up the second one. She didn't mind as much. Um, she didn't mind helping me. But she really wanted to know why we needed two bean towers especially since no one in our family really eats lima beans. I don't know. I was just kind of dumbfounded. I'm like, really? Is this not obvious? It's because they're amazing. That's why we need them. Just look at them. They, they're so tall. And I don't know. I love them. It's, I don't know what's wrong with my kids. They're fantastic though. The Bean Towers, the kids are fantastic too. But anyway, I really, really hope they update Google Earth this summer um, because I really want my Bean Towers to be on Google Earth. Okay, well, it's supposed to be really hot this coming week. So keep an eye on your garden and your new plants and any new trees that you have. When it's extra hot, you need to water more frequently. For potted plants, they've, they've got to be watered daily. For in the ground and raised beds, it's better to give your plants a good long soak rather than lots of light watering. Generally speaking, a nice long soak once a week will be good for your plants. You can set up a soaker hose with like a timer on your beds and just let it run for like 20 or 30 minutes, but you don't need soaker hoses. Just set up a small sprinkler head um, at the end of your hose and place that in your bed. Turn the water up so it sprays low, but still can reach all of the plants in the bed. There's a lot of good information on the internet if you want to get more specific on how much water to use and run and there's all these calculations that you can do to get the exact right amount of water for your square footage but that is just way too much math for the radio and I'm not good at math but if you are, it's easily found through Google. Okay, well, friends, I'm going to go now, but thank you for joining me again. If you have any crazy gardening projects that you have been working on, tell me about them. Send me an email and, you know, go out to www.plowandhose.com. You can find the email on the website. Send me some pictures of your crazy garden. I want to see them. Okay, have a great week. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.